Welcome to episode 32 of Imperial Hearts. Uh, Imperial Hearts is a Star Wars podcast where your hosts, Jamie and Dana, talk about all things Star Wars. Yep. And what are we going to talk about today? Um, That's a multifaceted. Maybe it's better if you explain what we're going to talk about today. Okay, we're going to sort of go through... Uh, the three series of movies, the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, and the new trilogy, which of course, as we know, has barely begun, uh, and just sort of talk a little bit about Star Wars media reflecting the cultural circumstances and political circumstances at the time, which is, um, yeah, maybe kind of a timely episode this week. Maybe a bit too real this week. Yeah, I think, uh. Uh, I was reflecting a lot about the things we talked about last week, and um, there was it was a bit too real. I, I take I take it back. I take it back. World. Yeah, I don't like, know what we said last week, but I. Yeah. It's, uh, too real. So, if uh, you're listening to this in the future, which is possible, um, this week was the 2016 presidential election whose results were not what we expected them to be. So, no. It was um a week. It was a long week. A lot happened this week. Um how was your Star Wars week? Good. I was just going to say also if you don't want to hear about politics then maybe maybe skip this one. Yeah. This um yeah, if you're totally burnt out um and exhausted by all the commentary from the last week, which would be totally understandable, we are going to address the uh, election results and their surrounding implications on this episode, so feel free to skip. Yeah, um, but other than that, I had a good Star Wars week. Um, I've been following a lot of the hype surrounding, again, like this, the new Star Wars game that's coming out, Star Wars Destiny. The dice and card game? Dice and card game, because um, they just had a pre-release this week at Fantasy Flight Headquarters. Yeah, I saw a bunch of like pictures and stuff. Yeah, from it. there's a lot of... I don't, I'm don't. i pretty excited about it. Um, yeah, you sort of slightly reversed your permit per uh, position. Yeah, I think last week I was saying I wasn't that hyped for it. Yeah. And now I'm hyped again. Cool. Just like a lot of people that I trust and respect are interested in it. and um, It's getting good reviews. Yeah, it's been getting mixed reviews, but okay. which I like. Because that, like, I kind of like it when things are polarizing because I'm like, well, but... If this person I know has similar tastes to me, mm-hmm. then I'll, yeah. Right. And it has Veers. Yeah, it does. I tweeted at Veers Watch this week <laughs> to let him know. Yeah. Didn't he like, he likes the tweet. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah. Hopefully he'll check it out too, because you know he can't get enough Veers. So. Yeah, I don't think he's so much into the games. I think that's, right. uh, yeah, but that's yeah. Like he's he, more into the Veers. Yeah. Just any any viewers. What's content? Viewers content in books and Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Did you have any other Star Wars week? Oh you got um real life tops trading cards. I did, yeah. Somebody gave you some to you. I yeah, I got real life tops trading cards as a gift. Yeah. And um They're kind of underwhelming, to be honest. I mean it depends on what it's kind of what you would expect if you were buying trading cards 20 years ago right they look like you know like baseball cards from you know like the 90s yeah or what i remember baseball cards looking like in the 90s i kind of i i kind of appreciate all the digital cards actually after seeing them i was like "Mm, i kind of like the fake cards that i get (laughs) I mean, maybe these are not an accurate representation. Right. I think it's intentional that they're they're trying to make them look vintage. Right. I'm sure there are ones you could get that are not vintage. But okay. I, I think these, um, I mean, maybe, I don't know how expensive they were. Yeah. Um, like, if the if it was, like, a $2 pack of cards, then, then yeah. Yeah. Fair. Um, but you get, like, six cards in the pack, and they're... They're, like, made out of the same cardboard as, like, a cereal box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. They yeah. really, yeah, but yeah. it's, like, I don't know, I kind of appreciate the, like, retroness of them, but, like, I wouldn't collect them. Yeah, no, me either. Um, I got them alongside another gift from someone. Yeah. it's a, It was a cool gift, totally. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so I had a pretty good Star Wars week too because uh, the um, international trailer for Rogue One came in. New Japanese trailer came out. Had some new footage in it. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, they're really coming fast and furious with the Rogue One promos right now. I think they're really trying to get people to go see it. I have no idea what to expect in terms of is the average person who would go and see a Star Wars movie planning on seeing this movie? I don't know. Like, that's an excellent question. Uh, so I, I think that's probably part of the really big media blitz that they're doing right now. Is like, it's Star Wars, please go see this movie. Like, it's, it's going to be good. Um, because I think the... Like, the Star Wars fan who's not following everything, like we are, you know, I have, like, uh, my my sister's uh, partner is, like, he's a huge Star Wars fan, but he's not, like, a follow-all-the-news Star Wars fan, and I don't think Rogue One is really on his radar. Like, it hasn't... Really? Yeah, it hasn't, like, reached down to that tier of person who's not necessarily looking for information, and they're still sort of confused, like, it... it it can confuse people sometimes still. They're like, wait, when is this movie taking place? Like, what is this movie about? So I feel like they're, um, this sort of really sustained promo campaign is really trying to reach those people, get them to come out. I mean, um, how can, how can you ignore it? It's going to probably be on like cereal boxes. And well, yeah, yeah, they're really exactly. That's why they're, they're just really trying to, trying to reach those people and trying to get them to come out for it. So I think it's, it's definitely, uh, you were mentioning uh, a little bit of sort of overwhelm, burnout from it, because it's so much. It's a lot. And, uh, yeah. and the same with, like, they put out a second excerpt for the book, which, I mean, is probably not unprecedented, but certainly seems like a level of pushing of this book that I haven't really seen with most of the other ones. They had, I, I remember they had one promo for Bloodline. I remember they put out a little... Um, an excerpt in Bloodline, but uh, I feel like they're really trying to reinforce, like, this this book is going to be essential reading for this movie, which is going to be really cool, please go see it. Like, they've got a lot riding on, this is the first anthology film, so I think they're just really pouring in the, uh, the support. They had Kathleen Kennedy in, um, record an introduction to the Japanese trailer, released in Japan. Like, it was mm, subtitled. But interesting. Where she was talking about um, how much of a debt the Star Wars saga owes to Japanese filmmaking. and um, That's true. And Yeah, and Japanese, like, and, and Kurosawa specifically, and Japanese yeah. culture, and how, um, you know, we cut this trailer just for you, like, just for Japan, and uh, we hope you, you know, like, we hope you appreciate the movie, and that we, we want you to enjoy it, so... Was sort of like a personalized, that's um, neat introduction. Um, yeah, so they're they're going hard at, at this movie. So that's so interesting. Star Wars is so interesting right now as a cultural, yeah, like because they're going to try to maintain this for the next twenty years. Yeah, right. And, like, putting out a movie every Christmas and trying to sell the toys. And yeah. Woof. <laughs> I mean, yeah, is that... Is that sustainable? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it is. It's a huge company. Um, I don't... It'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. I think as, like, a piece of cinema history, mm-hmm. you know? I mean... Cultural history. Cultural history, I mean, they did it with, like, Harry Potter, you know, where it's, like, a movie every, yeah. pretty much every year. And right? now, they're, now they're back. Harry Potter movies are back. And they're going to try to do it more with yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, like, Marvel movies. They're, like, three, doing... three a year now. Yeah. And people yeah. are still going to see them. Like, yeah. it seems not to have hit its, like, peak Marvel yet, yeah, where it's on. I don't know. We won't be able to see that until the end, but people are still going to see these movies. I think the Marvel movies succeed in being... They don't take risks. Yeah. They're very average. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they're never terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but often they're never amazing. Yeah. I want to see what kind of risks they'll be taking with um, the new Star Wars movies. Because this is the first one. I don't like, think they will. A lot of people say that Episode Eight is going to be weird. 
I hope so. I hope it's weird. I yeah. really want it to be weird. Um, but it's hard to believe that they will take too many risks. Yeah. With such a massive like business, you know. Because I think they've done well with with Marvel. Yeah. In that respect. Um, so that's what I've kind of heard about Doctor Strange in theaters right now. Yeah. Is that it's sort of, um, it's the Marvel formula. Yeah. You know, it's like Iron Man with magic. <laughs> you know, like, pri- privileged rich guy. Like, or, or Batman. It's the same kind of thing. Like, Oh, yeah, 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 it is. Yeah. But I guess yeah. because this is also Marvel, it's like, it's a similar story, similar yeah. story arc of like, you know, this guy learning to be less of a rich brat. Right. And using his rich brattiness for good. Yeah. Or whatever. I, I guess so. Yeah. If only we could have maybe a little bit more of that in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <sighs> so, yeah. yeah, so the um, the new footage, the really, the really only important or the most important new footage that we saw in the Rogue One trailer was Jin's mom giving Jin what is probably a kyber crystal. I can't imagine what else it would be, exactly. given the focus of the camera on the crystal. Yeah, and in the excerpt from Catalyst, which is mm-hmm. was released a couple days ago, it focuses on Galen's perspective. He's at home. It's sometime after they've been released from prison. And he's talking about how, since he started his research on the kyber crystals, which they use to focus the Death Star lasers, like... Um, or they use they use them somehow in the construction of the laser. Yeah, um, he's been plagued with this like sort of relentless need to work, where he feels like um, there's like oh, something inside him like whispering at him that he needs to like hurry and like keep working. And it's sort of got like he doesn't think of it as being external, but in the context of working with these kyber crystals, it sort of seems like is it. Is he getting interference from some sort of, like, force user or the crystals themselves? And so he sort of... Re- and then Jin, it's like a... Jin is drawing on her data pad in the room next to him, and there's been some tension in the family. I guess Jin has been sort of resentful of him, and it's about hmm. him realizing that he's been kind of a neglectful father and um, realizing that he hasn't really had any time for his family and... And, yeah, it's kind of like a dad-daughter kind of thing um, with this kyber crystal um, Interesting. plot. So yeah. I think it's pretty much clear that that's what she's got in, in the trailer. And that she's still got it at the time of um, Rogue One because we see her playing with it um, in prison. So, of course, like, you know, we joked last week about... Um, Jin having a lightsaber. Jin having a lightsaber at the end of the movie because they, like, can't stop I with the Jedis. Fucking love those Jedis. Um, but what if she... Uh, what if it's the Kyber Crystal that Luke uses to build his new lightsaber between Empire and Return of the Jedi? Could be. Huh, yeah. I've heard some interesting theories about that. About, like, how Luke builds his lightsaber, you mean? Yeah, like, if it's, if it's, um, a lot of people think it might be, like, um, Qui-Gon's. Oh, yeah. Um, from Qui-Gon's lightsaber. Or because, like, Yoda might have it, or whatever? Yoda might have it, or, like, Obi-Wan might have it. Right. So, like, you might be able to find it. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, speaking of Return of the Jedi, we watched Return of the Jedi last weekend. We did. It was, yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. Like, I only remembered the, like, major story beats. It was really weird. Such, a, such an odd movie. I did not remember all the antics. I didn't... Yeah, there was a lot of japes. <laughs> there were a lot of japes. It was like Home Alone meets Star Wars, you know? Yeah. The Ewoks almost tried to heat up a doorknob so that when the Empire came, they, you know... <laughs> it was that well, kind of I remember that part, but I just didn't remember how strangely disconnected everything was. Yeah. And I got this feeling I got this feeling that the idea of Leia being Luke's sister was like tacked on. Which it was. 
I know, but I never, yeah. I never, it never felt that way when I first watched it. I guess mm. I was like, oh yeah, it makes sense. But like in retrospect, like watching it by itself, it's like they did this to make it not weird. <laughs> they were like, you know, Luke's the main character; he should get the girl. But right. it's like, but we don't want that, so let's make it impossible. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. Like they were trying to like like massage some like you know male fragility yeah it was definitely an odd movie and they had like i think the contrast in tone between the like three sort of major segments of the movie where you've got all the jabba's palace stuff at the beginning which is kind of weird and then it gets even weirder when they added the new like cg musical sequence which is just it's it's weird there's a lot to talk about in that, like the whole Jabba sequence. You know, there's a lot of controversy yeah. about some of the decisions they make. Yeah. In that. Yeah. Um, but I still think, like, as a sequence, if you are able to ignore a lot of what makes it awful, mm-hmm. um, you know, like the Leia being in the bikini and yeah. being a sex slave and. Um, Something I noticed this time around that I hadn't noticed before was that all the Twi'lek slaves are non-white. Yeah. Actors? Actresses? Yeah. Um, Yikes. Which is just very... Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah. I just... I never noticed that before. Um, yeah, there's just... A, there's a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of bad shit in this whole sequence. But I think as an action... As a, like, start to a movie, it's yeah. fairly exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can get past the... I mean, we shouldn't have to get past it, but, yeah. you know, um, it's an interesting setup to the movie. And there's definitely some japes that go on in that, too. Yeah, yeah, like, with Jabba and everyone's, Jabba, like, hiding behind the curtain, waiting. <laughs> like, how does that... Like, Jabba convinces everyone to hide <laughs> behind the curtains for a few hours? Yeah, waiting for them to come back. I mean, yeah. yeah, there's, like, certain parts of this movie which are, like, very cartoony, which I didn't yeah. remember. And they're, they're a weird contrast between the stuff that's set, like, in the Empire when they go and, like, Vader shows up and, oh, like, yeah. under the Death Star construction yeah. and, like, you meet, like, Moff Turgerod who's like, oh, no, I'm doing the best I can about this, you know, space station and then the Emperor is going to show up and it's all, like, very dramatic and very serious. Also, yeah, like, the first... The first scene of the movie is in the is in the Death Star. Yeah. Which I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. And then after we finished that we read the um that little like Ray Sloan short story that I was telling you about and that we talked about on the podcast. Which was really excellent. Yeah, because yeah. we had just watched Jedi, which of course at the end uh they have the Battle of Endor, and then this short story takes place at the same time takes place during the Battle of Endor, and they right. see the Death Star yeah. blow up, and it was really cool because we'd just seen that, and we had seen, like, um, you know, Piet give some of his orders and then get blown and, up. Yeah, it was and very um, one-to-one. Yeah, um, and that was a really cool short story. Ray Sloan is the objectively the best Imperial. Highly recommended. Yeah. Um, I'll put a link uh, in the show notes. Yeah, and so there was just a lot of weird stuff that goes on in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. It's an odd movie. It's been many years since I've watched it. Yeah. Um, just, like, the pacing and stuff is very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't the worst ever, but it was just no. different than I remembered it. Um, and then we also played um, X-Wing with the new ships last week. We did. Yeah. Um, with uh, the ones we talked about, the Falcon and Black One, the Falcon as piloted by Ray and Finn. Yeah, Force Awakens era Falcon. You played First Order. You destroyed me. Yeah, the Falcon is super OP. (laughs) Like it, it's the same number of points. Like you had more points, I think. Uh, Yes, I think um, so. Yeah, it was. I had a lot of small ships. Yeah. Um, I I feel like often that game, like the bigger ships, tend to have an advantage Mm -hmm. unless you're using like swarm tactics. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it's a really good ship. It was. It was fun. Yeah, so, it was fun. Yeah. But it was pretty powerful. Definitely powerful. Yeah, it was good. Wow. So yeah, uh, do we want to uh, talk about Rebels or should we get into... I like having Rebels at the end. Okay. Because then if people don't want to hear about the spoilers, yeah. they can just stop listening at the end. Cool. 
So we're going to go into our main discussion, and then we'll talk about Rebels before we finish. Cool. So, yeah, I basically wanted to start, like, this is sort of a touchstone off of what we were talking about last week with the propaganda, and we were sort of talking about... Yeah, um, it kind of leads right into it. Yeah, talking about the sort of different eras uh, represented by the propaganda books, and, um, you know, people have been making a lot of commentary about the sort of type of story that Star Wars tells in in the, you know, early part of the 21st century compared to what it was telling at the end of the 20th. Um, yeah. You know, and so I think there's a lot of really interesting contrasts between the three eras of movies and sort of how they reflect um, the cultural zeitgeist at the time and Definitely. what they sort of say about it. Um, so... Just sort of starting with the original trilogy, uh, you know, they were they were made in the seventies. I'm sure a lot. I know a lot of like actual like academic commentary has been made about like seventies and eighties, right? Yeah, because like this, and 80s. the first one was made, and then there was like six years, yeah. and the other two were made. Yeah, right. So um, when they were first conceived in in the seventies, like the first one, yeah, it's like there was a lot of weariness about the military you know um america these are american movies of course and they had been embroiled in the conflict in vietnam and had been squarely defeated and it was sort of something of a defeat for american imperialism where american military expansion was sort of soundly rejected by the american people and they were like no we're tired of this there was a lot of famous sort of anti-military sentiment yeah, in, in the yeah. States where even the veterans who came back from Vietnam, you know, weren't particularly well treated by the public. Uh, people didn't want to talk about the war and, um, and people weren't, were sick of like America intervening in these sort of foreign conflicts and just wanted to, um, you know, tone it back a bit. Yes. And then in, um, so in the original trilogy, you have this, very American rebellion. Yeah, it's a very, like, fuck the man. Yeah, like... po- poised against a sort of hugely dominant British empire. You know, like... It's, yeah, it's, all, the, all the Imperials yeah, have British accents. All the Imperials have these, this English accent, and America has, you know, a strong association with that kind of rebellion. Yes, where they, yeah. they take a lot of pride in the rebellion against the British, the actual British empire. Right and, and having having broken away from them and and formed their own thing, so you get a lot of that sort of level of patriotism where you've got this scrappy upstart fighting against this greater power, um, but it's the Americans who are the scrappy upstarts, right? Yes, um, yeah, totally, yeah. And uh, then when you by the time we get to the prequel trilogy, uh, we have a very different climate. Um, not so much the but like this episode two and three were both released post September eleventh. Yes. Which was one of the big turning points in the modern like you know, by then you had uh the first war in Iraq, uh in the early nineties, and then um you know, we've got September eleventh, which was a big thing, and then we just so in those movies, I think one of the things that people really reacted negatively to in the prequels was the idea that the Republic eats itself and becomes the Empire. I think on the surface, when you ask most people, they will say they'll try to find things that they didn't like in those movies. And, like, there's a lot of surface things. Um, You know, like Jar Jar or, like, you know, they're too kitty or the CG or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think you're right that there are... There's like deeper reasons that they might not even be aware of why they don't like it. Yeah, it's a, it's an it's uncomfortable. Yeah, and when when you grow up on the original trilogy, where you've got um, you know the Empire is the villains. Yeah, they sort of take over the galaxy, and you've got and they're holding down the Jedi, and they destroyed the Jedi, who are like these amazing mystical knights of some kind. So all very mysterious, um, but you know they were wise and good. Um, yeah, like the first movies, it's like a very, very by the book hero's journey. Yeah, you know, like this um, Joseph Campbell kind of yeah. thing where it's like this one special kid <laughs> who's a farm boy. Yeah, 
you know, learns about, yeah. yeah, he learns about this ancient secret magic thing and, and, uh, becomes the chosen one. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. that, and then like you start with the prequels and it's very much like, feels very contemporary. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, it's so messy. He's so messy and there's a lot of politics mm-hmm. and it's like, it's, nobody's really happy and yeah, yeah it's, it's a mess. And the, it's a mess. the, um, the villain of those movies leads his people into a a war under false pretenses. Right. Which is what, um, happened. Yeah. That's what, you know, that's what he, he uses, um, this external enemy, which is, you know, it's a classic. It's not like a unique, um, a unique story. Um, but yeah, he gains power by leading everyone into a false war and, and making them afraid uh, and into giving him unprecedented amounts of executive power. Yeah. And uh, a lot of that is was um, a totally non-secret response to what was happening in the U.S. at the time. Like, George Lucas made explicit the parallels between... Yeah, there's lines lifted yeah. from <laughs> yeah. Bush's speeches. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, what? after September 11th, when you've got the Patriot Act um, passed and, like, sort of the additional executive power given to the government during that time. Obviously, we never made it to an empire. Um, But it was a warning against the overuse of executive power, especially in the context of these sort of false flag operations. And it was, um, you know, I, I think that to some degree people didn't want the Republic to have become the Empire through corruption and fear and sort of ineffective bureaucracy. They don't, yeah, they don't want to, they don't want that messy moral. Yeah. It's like, it's we too be, real. Yeah, we become the Empire. That's, that's the message of the prequels is like, yeah. this didn't come out of nowhere. We voted for it. Yeah. And um and we should say also like we are Canadians. Yeah. We're not Americans. <laughs> yes. Um but as Canadians we still are more exposed to US politics than we are our own politics it's almost. It's very like it's um it affects, it affects our politics as well. Yes. Like it's, There's and we're even seeing that already. Yeah. Um yeah, exactly. in our country. Um yeah, and and same with the Jedi, where people didn't. I think people didn't want to see the Jedi as like kind of complacent and not out of touch. Yeah, I think the, this is the thing. Also, like when you're, I mean, this doesn't. This isn't about history. This is more mm-hmm. about storytelling. But mm-hmm. whenever you do a prequel, there's always going to be disappointments. Yeah, because what you imagined how perfect these ancient warriors were. They're never going to be that perfect. Mm-hmm. They're never going to live up to what you imagine they were. Yeah. And when we see Obi-Wan and Yoda in the movies, you know, people really got attached to those characters. Those characters are kind and wise, and they're your mentor. And so when I think when you flash back and see them making mistakes, people Frequently. are like, people are yeah. like oh, no, I don't, I don't like this. I don't. I don't like that Yoda's mean to Anakin. Like, what's with this? Like, I think, yeah, Yoda's kind of a bag of. Yeah, he's. <laughs> yeah, he's. He's not really. Uh, he. Um, and it's interesting because he does realize by the end of those stories that he's um, missed a lot of what's happened. You know, like it's gone on under his nose, and he hasn't paid attention enough attention to it. Yeah, and uh, the Jedi end up being somewhat complicit in their own downfall. You know, they can't see it coming because they have, you know, nobody has any perspective on what's happening. But it does sort of stand to reason what happened to them based on all the circumstances. Like we talked about last week uh, with the propaganda, with them totally staying out of the public eye. You know, they had some PR problems that allowed the average person to turn against them relatively easily. They were, oh, I um Whoa, this is too real. They, um, you know, this sort of, like, cloistered elite in their ivory tower who were just so out of touch with the regular people that they were ostensibly serving that the rug got pulled out from under them. They didn't even see it coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think that that is messy and uncomfortable. 
and it's not it's not a clean story in the way that the original trilogy is a clean story. Yeah, the, the original trilogy is mythology. Yeah. It's very much a fantasy, um, whereas the um, the prequel trilogy is, it's very much more like a sci-fi political mm-hmm. trauma, you know? And a modern one. And a like, modern one, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I think there's, um, and there's some validity in people having been, you know, confused and upset by that because what they like they were kind of expecting just more of the same They're looking for escapism yeah yeah like well things were it was i i know people who like this about movies like the original where they're like well the villains are the villains and you can just kill them and then it's over and it's easy and yes and that's what they want they want to have a story where it's uh it's easy and clean like that and um yes that was not <clears throat> that was not what we were going to get with the prequels and and that's that's also not something i want like as as an audience like i like it when it's messy too and i don't like it when it's clean always and yeah um, i think so you know we're always i'm always looking and and you and i are always looking for ways to connect with the other side as well so that you're not just cuz it's easy to dismiss them as evil i think they do a better job with that in like the more recent media mm-hmm. i don't know if you want to jump forward to yeah i think i want to address force awakens at the same time as we're addressing star wars rebels yeah so um, why don't you talk a bit about that sure yeah so like the more modern stuff that you're seeing like i mean rebels to a lesser extent like you but it's still a product of this our times yeah. right so you do you do get to see a lot more, um, especially with the first order. Like you do see, you have a lot more. Em- you still don't like those characters, mm-hmm. or you do, but yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, but they're much more real people. Mm-hmm. The stormtroopers have a lot more lines, and they feel like people under those helmets. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you have characters who are more colorful on the bad team yeah you like know like kylo phasma ren. and kylo and yeah. hux um and they're imperfect you know like a lot of people i don't know if a lot of people but i know there's some people who don't like kylo mm-hmm. because he's imperfect because he is like uh, yeah sort of unstable and yeah he's he's a you know he's a bad boyfriend he's yeah yeah <laughs> He's not Darth Vader. Yeah. And I think a lot of what we we do see in the new movies is a commentary on those original movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, Kylo is like what Vader would be if Anakin actually was represented accurately. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I think it's, you know, if Anakin actually was the same character as Vader. Yeah. And continued through all of Anakin's previous character traits. Yes. He would be Kylo Ren. Yeah, he'd be much, much more like Kylo Ren. He'd be much more like Kylo Ren. He'd be a a lot um, more petty. And, you know, he's... Kylo's like that because he's, like, presumably sheltered. Yeah. And has, you know, needs some therapy. Yeah, and has a... Both both of them have a a sort of fundamental inability to deal with their emotions in a healthy way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we we do do a whole... For those of you who are new listeners, uh, we do do a whole episode about Anakin uh, and his his character. Um, Yeah, sure. And, you know, what sort of led him up to this point. So you can check that out if you want to hear us talk more about Anakin's character arc. Yes. yeah, and I think um, The Force Awakens is a really interesting counterpoint to the original and, you know, again, uh, very timely now more than ever, uh, where the villain is no longer the government. Yes. The villain, now now we're the government again. Yeah, you know, the government's good again. The government's good again. We, we all trust the government now, but... Um, but the the villain is this sort of far right authoritarian insurgency who yeah. who comes out of nowhere and destroys a complacent new republic yeah who uh didn't take them seriously yeah uh and who didn't recognize the threat 
um, that that they posed. And uh, yeah, it's it's a little too yeah, it's a little too on the nose. Um, it's a little too accurate. Like yeah, it's, it's too accurate this week. If Force Awakens wouldn't, I think we're all kind of feeling like yeah. you know this week we're all feeling like wow they just blew up the Hosnian system. Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah, exactly. Everybody's yeah. asking how did this happen? We didn't see it coming. And then there's a whole bunch of people who are like, well, we saw it coming. And yeah, a lot we of didn't people listen to us. A lot of people did see it coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've been trying to fight against it for years and weren't given the tools or support to do so. And now, you know, now we're all awoke to that. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I think uh, you know, all media sort of represents the time in which it's made of course and you know that's that's true of everything but uh star wars has always been about this fundamental conflict um with you know there's so much of it that is has been about it's about rebellion you know and yeah and the the sort of transition of the point of view of the camera like of the story from the rebellion to the government to the rebellion again, to the government again, like it where 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 our sympathies are sort of placed, what kind of enemy we're facing is always changing, but we're always Yeah, so like in the original trilogy it's it's an you know, in corp evil corporations, evil empires, mm-hmm. like um and then in the prequel trilogy it's basically foreign terrorists. Yeah. At least in the last two movies. Yeah. It's foreign terrorists who are being propped up by the government yeah. as a fake threat. Just so that they can control you more. Yeah. And, and find excuses to surveil you and, yeah. and control you. And and then in TFA, it's like secret fascists who ha- are kind of like were a part of the government yeah. and have been... And they want to go back. And they want to the go Empire. back to, like, you know, make yeah. the galaxy great again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's in the exactly. name, right? Like, the yeah. First Order. It's very much like, you know, things need to go back to the way they they, they used to be. Under the Empire. Under the Empire. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's scary, too. Um, we see this in, in Bloodline, where the First Order may have been founded by the older generation. Yes. But it's made up of these very young people who were not alive during the Empire. No. So they're being sold this brand of sort of like toxic poison nostalgia for a time that they didn't experience. All they know is that they grew up under in this, um, you know, totally decimated version of their parents' empire. And they're being promised... A, a new future that they feel like was, you know, they didn't have. They didn't have the opportunity to have. The, the empire was destroyed yeah. and their their families exiled or whatever. And now they're, you know, post-imperial kids. And almost all of those characters that you see in Force Awakens are kids, yeah. basically. Yeah. You know, they're like 30 and under. And um, that's what we're calling kids now. Uh, yeah, because, uh, yeah, I know. Because, like, kids are however old we are. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, these are people yeah, in, yeah. in charge of um, vast militaries, and they're young. They're very young. Definitely. Um, and, yeah, they're, it's like a nostalgia, but not for a time that they could have experienced. Definitely. Um, I think that's why, like, Bloodline is definitely a required reading mm-hmm. um, for Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. I think also, like, it's what's interesting is that, you know, the first trilogy and TFA are both squarely in the, um, I mean, there's, some, there's a lot of similarities, but I feel like they both evoke this kind of mythology vibe, mm-hmm. more like Lord of the Rings than, than a sci-fi. Yeah. Um, but it's like the cultural myths that they tell are, on the surface, seem to be similar but they're actually different mm-hmm. um, in terms of, like you were saying, who the villains are. Yeah. Um, but they do it in a very storybook way that even children can understand, yeah. you know, what's going on here. Because um, you do really get that vibe in that, that moment when the Hothian system gets blown up. It's very much like nobody 
Like, certain people were expecting it. Yeah, which is why they had the resistance. Yeah, but, like, not not enough people. No. No, exactly. Um, and, that, and then that's an interesting... Um, it'll be interesting to see the way they play the exact same events of the original trilogy through a modern lens with Rogue One. Rogue One is going to be very interesting to see how that how that goes. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's the same mythology as the original trilogy, the, you know, scrappy upstart rebellion versus the huge galactic empire. But now the government is the villain again. Yeah. And um you know, now hope lies in rebellion. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I, no. I, I agree. Um, It'll be interesting to see it reinterpreted. I think it's it's interesting because you do have, I mean, this movie wasn't made yesterday. No. So it's not going to reflect current events. No. Um, but I do find it interesting that a lot of the packaging around Rogue One is about the nostalgia for that New Hope style era, mm-hmm. um, but like you were saying, reinterpreted through you know like the protagonists of you know like um, like women and mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of men of color, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like um, which we don't see in yeah. the original trilogy. So it's like they feel like the characters in Rogue One feel more like underdogs mm-hmm. than. Mm-hmm. Than the rebellion we see in the original trilogy. Yeah. Trilogy. The Ridge Tridge. <laughs> that's the that's my favorite uh, name for it. The Ridge Tridge. The Ridge Tridge. That's, I, that's from Crack.com. Okay. I, they have a series of yeah. Um, so I am interested to see what sort of you know message or, or underlying mythology we do get from that movie, yeah. or if it'll just be a war movie. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of that type of content, um, their 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 um, media campaign is is really selling the um, the hope. Yeah, they use the hope word they a lot. They Use hope. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, you've got a new hope. Like you know, it's, it's I mean, kind of a, a callback to the episode four as well. But um, sort of all a lot of the trailers focus on Jin's voiceovers for. You know, we have to save the rebellion. Rebellion, like rebellions, are built on hope. And there's still and, a chance, even though it seems hopeless. Yeah, yeah. You know where it's um. That's really the message that you get from the trailers about like that yeah. that kind of hope. And I think it's interesting from a storytelling point of view for them because a lot of those characters are probably not going to live to see the empire come down. I think there's going to be a lot of sacrifices in that movie. Yeah, they're all going to die. But they have the hope that what they're doing is is going to eventually lead to something greater. Yeah. Um, and it's it's going to do help everybody else. So, yeah, it's um, we had kind of been discussing talking about this topic as it was, but this seemed like a sort of an appropriate time. It's kind of a good week to talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what eight and nine bring, and the surrounding stories about that. Like, what are what yeah. are, what does the galaxy look like now that the New Republic has been destroyed? Yeah, um, does the First Order come in to try and take it over? Do the is there a rally for the like? Do the I mean, Republic both, rally. Both the forces have been decimated, right? You yes, because Starkiller Base gets destroyed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think we're going to see in in episode eight. We're going to see that the first order is a greater threat. Mm-hmm. Like they've expanded. Yeah. Um. Anyway, speaking of, I have one sort of co- not correction, but in addition to last week's episode. Remember sure. how? Okay, so last week we were talking about Palpatine's motivation to build the Death Star. Um, yes. And Suzanne, friend of the show Suzanne, had an interesting theory, which I had not considered. So what if Palpatine's whole goal is is to just make the galaxy worse? What if like he wants the Death Star to be scary because the fear 
of the fear that that would generate would strengthen the dark side of the force that he can then harness and use for his own ends. Like, what if he is Hmm. using the Empire to purposefully generate fear in the galaxy so that the dark side is more powerful? That is very interesting. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that before. I would not have considered that. Huh. Mm -hmm. I think that... I was like, yeah, I could buy that. That seems plausible. Yeah. Yeah. And that he, he sort of does whatever is necessary internally to convince the rest of the Empire to do it. Yeah. And they're just yeah, like, okay, yeah, sure. sure. This, sure, I guess so. You're in charge. Um, but yeah, that, that he is doing it just sort of to sow chaos, but just drinking the, ner- the dark side for his own agenda. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought I would throw that out there for other people to think about. Okay. Do you want to move on to... I mean, I don't think there's much else we can say. Yeah. Um, let's move on to our Rebels discussion. Yeah. Mm. So we're going to be talking about last Saturday's episode. Imperial Super Commandos. <laughs> That's a weird title. Yeah. Um, so it's about um, Sabine and Ezra go back to Mandalore with... A Fen Rao. Fen Rao. Who I... I remembered when he was introduced, but I did not remember that they had him prisoner on board the ghost or on the base or whatever. Like, yeah, I did not yeah, remember yeah. that. So I guess the Mandalorian episode in season two, they must have captured him. Yeah, but I, I don't know what I thought happened to him, but... I don't remember that episode very well. No, me neither. Yeah. And when they show up with... They, he, they've just been keeping him prisoner. It's like, oh, weird. Okay. Yeah, so they go down to Mandalore, and I guess they're scoping out the situation and Mandalorian politics ensue. Yeah, they find out that a lot of Mandalorians have joined forces with the Empire and yeah. that the Mandalore has been fighting they've been fighting amongst themselves and so they get chased down by Imperial Mandalorians and uh, we, yep. we find out that Sabine's mom was strong armed maybe into working with the Empire. I feel like we're going to get more Mandalorian story in this yeah. season. Just because we did have that teaser of Sabine with the Dark Blade. Yes. Yeah. Um, and like maybe even we see like I mean a lot of people have predicted this that like Sabine will become the new Mandalore, like the leader of the Mandalorians. Right. I think that's what they're called. The Mandal I think the Mandalore is like the I think that was an old thing. Now they have like Viceroys and stuff, don't they? Like, wasn't um, maybe in Clone Wars? um, Satine is leader of Mandalore, but she's a duchess, I think. Okay, well, whatever. But um, yeah, a lot of people are thinking like Sabine, the Sabine and Mandalore stuff will be a larger plot. That would be really cool. I think it would be cool. Like Sabine is featured very prominently in a lot of the marketing for season three. Yeah. So I think you know. Um, seeing her take a more central role in the series could be cool. Yeah, this was a cool Sabine episode. Yeah, it was very cool. Um, she got a jetpack, which was destroyed because I guess they didn't want her to have a jetpack. <laughs> yeah. That was a very television moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought it was a cool episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have that much commentary on it. It was a lot of action scenes. Like, there was just a, yeah. lot, of, there was a lot of chase scenes, you know, some, some fights, some good fights. Like, the animation was fun and... Sabine is pretty awesome. And she's been kind of a small character. Like, I never really had a lot of feelings about Sabine in season one and season two. She's cool, but I never had, like, a particular connection with that character. Agreed, yeah. But I feel like they've been doing a lot more with her in season three. Yes. And yeah. her character has been more fleshed out, and I really like her. Um, I, yeah, I definitely feel more warmly towards her. Yeah, I yeah. like what they've been doing, and I hope they do more. Agreed. So it's it's interesting. They send um, Sabine and Ezra and Chopper with this prisoner, and they're like, "Keep an eye on him. Make sure he doesn't do anything." And they <laughs> they promptly lose control of him like five minutes after they leave. And you're like, "Yeah, that's why you don't send kids." I thought that was a good comedic moment. Yeah, right. Ezra's like, "I don't get this whole Mandalore thing," and then he gets knocked out. Yeah, yeah, because he's not paying attention to the prisoner. So it's the whole Mandalore thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny sort of a, a reminder that 
that Ezra's still a kid, even though they had that episode, you know, at the beginning where he was in charge. That was so weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then it. they were like, you get suspended, and that hasn't happened since. Yeah. It's a funny, it's been a funny season so far. And next week is a more, is a Thrawn episode. Yeah. Wait, it's yeah. Saturday, tonight's episode. Oh, yeah. Thrawn episode. Yeah. So we'll talk about that next week. Definitely. Yeah. We could watch it tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. Um, so. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And Catalyst comes out next week. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm getting a copy of it. And then I'm going away for a week. Um, no interruption to the podcast schedule. But I will be away reading that book the whole time in between babysitting my toddler or nephew. Yes. Um, and I can't wait to talk about it when we come back. Yeah. Me too. I'll be reading it too. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, it was not a good week, so I don't... People died. Yeah. I don't even want to say that, so... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay. Can't cut that out. I'm sorry. Uh, no, just like... It was a bad week, and... Uh, yeah, it was. We'll just leave you with so, that. Take care of your... Tra- the, take care of each other. Yeah, take care of yourselves and each other. Yeah. Bye. Bye. to find more stuff about star wars from me and jamie you can check out our website at imperialhearts.com or tweet at us at imperial underscore hearts the music used in this podcast is clips from the song breakfast with tiffany by broke for free thank you for listening to the imperial hearts podcast